Okay. All right, it's good to be here this morning. Has anybody heard from Paul? Is that, is that why Lawrence is late? Maybe they're going to ride together? <laughs> Maybe so. Hopefully, hopefully they can Maybe. be here. I hope so. Okay, this uh, last couple of weeks, we, or last several weeks, we've been talking about the Word of God, and we talked about inspiration and illumination and, and all of the things that, that brought the, the Scriptures to us. In the last couple of weeks, we've, uh, we were talking about how the Bible refers to itself, it uses symbols to refer to itself, and it, it talks to, about itself being a mirror, and I just jotted those down, uh, it's referred to as a seed or it, as water, it refreshes us, it cleanses us, it's a lamp to show us our way, and, and different uh, different symbolic terms that it uses to uh, <clears throat> describe itself. Last week we talked about the different environments that Scripture says we can find ourselves in, and some of them aren't very pleasant. It said we could find ourselves in an as being among as lambs among lions, <clears throat> excuse me, we can find ourselves being among thorns. That, that's not a real good thing. Uh, we it says we can find ourselves as Christians being among scorpions. So you know it's not it's not the best pep talk that you could ever have. That when when it talks about these things, we can find ourselves. Jesus told his disciples when he he sent them out um, that he was sending them as lambs among wolves, which that wasn't a, a good a good analogy or as they were thinking about it I'm sure that that didn't paint a rosy picture for them as to what to expect uh, scripture refers to us as sometimes we'll be as uh, wheat among tares uh, or weeds that try to choke us out um, but then it also said that we can scripture says that we can find ourselves in an environment of being surrounded by a heavenly host and the example was Elisha and his servant there in the city of Dothan and the Syrian army had, had surrounded him, and that scared the, the daylights out of uh, Elisha's servant because all he could see was these enemy soldiers, and he knew they were there for Elisha, and if they got Elisha, well, they're going to get me too because I'm, I'm tied to him. And Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, show him what's really out there. And then when he, you know, the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw the chariots of fire that were surrounding the Syrian army. God's host was out there. That's good news, isn't it? When we, we think we're in an environment where we're among thorns or among scorpions or wolves to, to know that God's army surrounds us. But then it also, one, another, the last example we looked at is that sometimes Scripture says we're in an environment where we are surrounded by the Lord Himself. We serve a God that is big enough to surround us and take care of us no matter what other kind of environment we're in. And so I, those, things, those things encourage me. And so the Bible, it, gives, it tells us these things to help us and it uses common terms to help us understand uh, what, where we stand with the Lord and, and how He protects us. And even though we may be in, in unfavorable conditions or environments sometimes. Well, today I want us to look at something else the Word of God tells us. It, it gives us warnings. It, it warns us, obviously, to keep sin out of our lives. It warns us uh, that uh, until we're saved, we, we're in a lost condition. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It, it gives us those kinds of warnings. It also gives us teaches us things that we ought to do uh, in our lives. Uh, t- take sin out, but put this in its place. Don't do this, but do this instead. But it also, and think that something I want us to look at this morning, it tells us to beware of some things. And the things we're going to look at this morning is counterfeits. Things that are fake. Things that aren't what they appear to be. And the, the scriptures give us a, a, a long list. And, and the list that I'm, we're going to be looking at is not exhaustive. I'm sure there's many more. 
But it, and the, the idea is to give us an idea as we look through the scriptures, what it, um, those occasions when the Bible tells us to beware of some things. And so as we read through the scriptures, we ought to be looking for those things because we do want to avoid them. And so uh, the, we're going to look at counterfeits this morning. And, and we have to admit we live in a world that is filled with counterfeits, don't we? Think about all the, and, and counterfeit, that's, just, that's a big word, it's fake. We live in a world that, that's full of fake stuff. Think about the people that we live around, that we work around. Some of us work around them still. We're not lucky enough to be retired quite yet. Um, they claim to be something they're not. I mean, you ever meet those? Oh, man, it's, it's they walk in a room and it's, I, I worked with, with one lady and, and sales guys would come in and, and we would have to talk to them. They would want to sell us components and things. And she referred to this one guy as a smarmy sales guy. And she said, I just want to wash my hands when he leaves the room. I feel violated when this guy's around. And you've all, you've, we've probably all met those. And a lot of them are in the, in the form of a car salesman, a component salesman, uh, sometimes insurance salesmen, that sort of thing. It always seems to be salesmen or, or attorneys. They kind of fit in that category sometimes too. But we've all worked with people. They, they claim to be something they're not. And in the, in the, the world of, of Christianity, in the world of, of our lives as Christians, we will find Christians sometimes, that, or we will find people who name the name of Christ. But if you, we, we're not in a position to judge them ever. But when you look at their lives, you don't see the fruit of the Spirit there. And in some cases, you see some things going on in lives that are you're like, I, I can't imagine any, anyone who's really a born-again believer doing that, engaging in that. So we have to be aware of, of that. And the Lord doesn't say, go out and judge them and put a mark on them so that nobody will, will have anything to do with them. That's not what, what, we're, what we're saying here. It, it just says, beware of these counterfeits and don't get um, suckered by them or don't get taken in by them sometimes. We, uh, we live in a world that where religions are, are out there and they advertise a, a many or a lot of pathways to God. When we know the scripture says there's only one pathway to God, isn't there? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's religions all around us that offer any number of different ways to God. You can do this and you can do this. And if you, if you perform this act or if you go to this place on a, some kind of pilgrimage or what have you, so there's lots of that around it. And so we know that the world's filled with those kind of counterfeits. Uh, honestly, we live in a world where preachers will, will come along and they'll allege to have some kind of miraculous powers. You know, I, I can heal you or I can do this or that. We live in a world when there are priests who say, if you'll come and you'll go into this little secret booth and you confess your sins, I can absolve you of your sins. Uh, the Lord didn't give any man that ability, did he? None, there is no human who can forgive sins. The Lord himself can do all of that. But there are men around us who will claim to be preachers of the word of God or um, religious leaders, and they're just counterfeits. And the Bible says, be careful with us. Be, be on the lookout. Um, I just jotted down some things that, that we live in the world of the counterfeits. And this is one of my favorites. We live in a, in a world where uh, we're surrounded with products that are designed to alter our appearance so that we become the counterfeits, right? Uh, it might be in the form of hair color. It might be in the form of makeup. Now, Robin's daddy used to say, he would get around the makeup, and he would say, any old barn can use a coat of paint every now and then. Well, I tend to agree with that, right? But the products that, that, that make you appear completely something different than you are 
Well, that's fake, isn't it? I don't, I don't want to. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to come across uh, looking like a 30-year-old because then people might expect me to do things that I could do when I was 30 that I can no longer do. I don't have the stamina that I used to. And then there's another one that's more insidious. We live in a society that has, that has doctors prescribing drugs that help people cope with their sin and the guilt of it instead of confessing that sin to the Lord. And that is a very dangerous thing. Because it's a counterfeit experience to someone who is under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. They go to a doctor, a counselor, or whatever, and they say, well, let's just talk about this. You know, people are just being mean to you. That It's, not, it's nothing wrong in your life. And when the Holy Spirit is trying to get them to understand there's sin in your life, you need to confess that to the Lord. And, well, if you'll take this pill, you'll feel better. You'll feel better about yourself. And then if you go have a me day at the spa, you'll feel even better about yourself. Well, those are all counterfeit experiences, aren't they? And we have to be careful with those. There's a, there's a long-held view, and, and we've all, I think, heard this, that the best way to recognize a counterfeit is to study the real thing. Study it long enough and hard enough, and you'll know that that's the wrong thing. And that, that works in, in almost any kind of experience. We've all heard the experience of... Uh, people looking for counterfeit money. They study the real thing long enough so that when you give them a counterfeit bill, they recognize it. Well, an auto mechanic, if they study the way an engine ought to run long enough, you can bring one in that something's wrong with and they, they can just listen to it. And they can, some of them could even lay their hand on, on, the, on the valve cover and say, yeah, there's something wrong there. It shouldn't be that, it shouldn't have this kind of vibration. And, and it's amazing to watch people who have that skill I spent uh, a good portion of my career as a troubleshooter in electronics, and there were things I can look at something. If I've, if I've worked on this piece of equipment long enough, I can look at it and say, that is wrong. And you can go to it, and you can start troubleshooting, and you can find what it is. And so we, when we study the, the real thing long enough, we can recognize the counterfeits. And God's Word teaches us, if we study it, if we spend enough time in it, it teaches us what's real. In, in the world of Christianity, in the world of our religion, in the world of our faith and our trust in God, so that we can recognize what's false. We study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit teaches us from it, we know what the real looks like then, and then the Holy Spirit can use that experience when we see the false, and He can say, that that's wrong. You ever sit in a church service, or hear maybe a, a preacher on the radio, and, and all of a sudden something just, it's a flag going off, it's, I, something's wrong. I can't quite put my finger on it, but something that person said just does not resonate with what I know of Scripture. That's the Holy Spirit. Who is, who's put, he's raising those alarms, and we all not shut those down, should we? And, and what it does, what it should encourage us to do is, if, the, if, if a preacher is preaching on some passage in the book of you know, Habakkuk, and it doesn't resonate with us, then what should we do? We should look into that passage, and we should look at parallel passages and try to figure out, okay, what is it about what I just heard that doesn't seem right? And then the Holy Spirit can start to teach us more about what is real and what is not the counterfeit. So anyway, that's a, that's a long introduction, but the study that, that I want us to look at is some, um, some of these counterfeits that the Scriptures point out to us, things that we ought to be aware of as Christians. So we'll start looking at those. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here for Sunday school. 
As we open your word today, Father, we pray the Holy Spirit would be free to move among us and to teach us from it. Father, we do want to avoid counterfeits in our lives. Uh, we, we don't recognize, we don't know what all of them might be. But as we look into the scriptures, we pray that, uh, Father, you would teach us uh, some of the things that we need to be looking out for. We pray that you would give us the ability to, to rightly divide the word of truth, to rightly understand what your word teaches us. And when we see these counterfeits, Father, we pray that you give us presence of mind to recognize them and then to avoid them. And certainly, uh, Father, we wouldn't want to, uh, to bring anything into our own lives that would be in the form of a fake or a counterfeit. We want to live genuine lives before you. We want to live lives that are led by the Holy Spirit of God. So we pray as we look into these, these uh, passages, Father, that you would teach us today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we'll look at is to, that we ought to be aware of is false Christs. And now I'm looking at Matthew chapter 24, if you want to turn there, <clears throat> at a, just a few verses. But the, uh, the Word of God, Matthew in this Gospel, he, uh, he's, he's uh, recording the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, and He says there's going to be false Christs that are going to come. In verse 4 of Matthew 24, He says, uh, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And then we look down at verse 24, and he says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. And then verse 25, Behold, I've told you before, I've warned you, these are coming. And then I, can, I don't think that this isn't conjecture conjecture. Sorry about that. It's not just um, idle thoughts, well this could happen. This is the Lord Jesus saying this is going to happen. And this is part of the, uh, the Olivet Discourse. He's talking about, he's warning uh, the disciples of things that are going to come toward the end of the age. Future things that are coming. And he predicted that these false Christs were going to come. These people who would come along and they would say, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm, I'm, I'm the Son of God. And people are going to believe them. And we've seen that. Modern society is plagued with false religions, isn't it? We talked about that. Um, and they're full of false religious leaders that uh, mis mislead people. Now, we're all old enough that we remember some of the really well-known ones in, in modern history. You know, we remember Jim Jones and his group and his little tubs of Kool-Aid that, that he had the people drink. And that, that's just a... That's become just a byword. When, when people buy into something that's wrong, you, we refer to them the way, yeah, they drank the Kool-Aid. And now they're going along with what's wrong. But he misled those people. They thought he was somebody he wasn't. He was a counterfeit. And they actually looked at him, his followers, as being some kind of a messiah. And he's not the only one. You remember, and, and that, of course, led to mass uh, deaths as people drank the poisoned Kool-Aid. I, I don't know that we can... I don't know if they all realized what they were doing. So I don't know if we call that just completely mass suicide or if some of them innocently drank something that killed them. We also uh, can remember uh, David Koresh and uh, the compound that he had out in uh, Texas and, and the way that ended. These people looked at him as some kind of a messiah and, and he told them just enough things and he would just use just enough scripture to make people who didn't know any better think that he was a religious leader, that he was some kind of a prophet. And he led them to some serious uh, consequences, didn't he? As the FBI uh, attacked, and, and there were a lot of people who were hurt 
killed over over following a false religious leader. And I, I was I've just been reading uh, some news blurbs this week about some of the people who were Charles Manson followers, and I think one was was they were going to let her out of prison or something. These people thought he was something he wasn't. He was a counterfeit, almost a religious uh, experience with these people that they followed him so closely. And so we, we know that these things exist. And these false religions, they present a, a leader, a, a messiah, if you want to call him that, or even they might refer to themselves as a Christ, whose, uh, what they teach is a whole lot different than what Scripture teaches, isn't it? They teach uh, different standards. We have the standards of behavior that God has given us. And what the, the Bible teaches us is if, if someone comes along to you and they te- they're teaching a different set of standards, and something's wrong. You don't follow them. You follow what the Word of God says. Um, and they teach them or present a different set of expectations, not just the standards. The standards, uh, the Ten Commandments give us God's standards. This is, this is what it takes. If you want to please God on your own, then obey these commandments, right? If you think you, that's the way you want to approach it, then go ahead and try. And we, none of us can do it, can we? We can't keep all of those commandments. We all fail. And the, the Word of God says if we, if we disobey one of them, we've, we've disobeyed all of them. We've broken the entire law. So that's the standard. But then there are expectations where, where the Lord Jesus Christ said, if you follow me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I've asked you to do. Here's the expectations. Here's the way you should behave. Love one another. Serve one another. Uh, don't lord it over other people, but be willing to be a servant and, and help other people. Those, those kinds of expectations, but often when you see these, these false religions, it's not, that's not the expectation that we're set up, is it? The expectation is, serve me. I'm your leader. Do what I ask you to do. Be my follower. Be, be, do, don't do anything except what would make me happy. Give me money so that I can have a bigger house or a mansion or gold-plated plumbing fixtures or whatever it is. And so they, they, they present the different expectations. They present completely different teachings than what Scripture teaches us. They're counterfeits. So, uh, and Paul warned, warned that there were preachers in uh, 2 Corinthians. He warned about preachers who would come preaching what he said, another Jesus, another, another Christ, another Messiah. And he said, beware of that. Another Another thing that, that comes along is, though, that people in, even in Baptist churches or denominations that we would think are mainline denominations, if they're preaching anything about Christ that is not supported through the Scriptures, then they're preaching a different Christ, aren't they? Paul says, or they, if they add anything to the Gospel, yeah, you, have to, you need to have faith, but you ought to also do this. Well, that's what the Pharisees did, isn't it? They, they had their own little rules that they added. And at that point, they're not preaching the same Christ that the Scripture does, that Paul does. And Scripture has some very serious words about someone, you know, along the lines of if someone comes to you preaching a different Christ, let him be accursed. And so uh, we we have to be very careful that we don't accept any kind of a false religious leader, a false Christ. What's the remedy? Well, the remedy is we study the Scripture and what it teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the the second person of the Trinity. And when we know what it teaches us about Him, it's a whole lot easier for us uh, to spot uh, a counterfeit, doesn't it? And as we develop a close relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, a close personal relationship, then it's much harder for someone to fool us, isn't it? And someone who, who fails to do that, though, um, to, to develop that personal relationship with Christ, it's, it's very easy for them to get, to, 
to be led astray, is it? And so you know, I'm not standing here thinking that any of us are necessarily in danger of being led astray by a false Christ, but we may know some people who are are in danger of that because they don't have a firm enough understanding of the Scriptures. And in a case like that, the Lord would tell us, and it's your job to help teach them, to help disciple them. And that's part of what we do when we, when we give uh, in offerings and churches support missionaries and we give to ministries of other, um, uh, to, to local churches like this one or um, other organizations that teach the Word of God. When we do that, we're helping to teach other people and to see that they do get the, the information that they need. And I'm thankful for the I'm thankful for church ministries by by all means because that's the primary. But I'm thankful for people who teach the scriptures to their kids at home and to um, their grandkids or nieces and nephews. I'm thankful for school teachers who teach who still will will share the word of God with with students. I had some good ones when I was younger, and I think I've mentioned before we uh, there were times when we uh, we memorized portions of scripture in a public school just down the road here not far away we memorized uh, one year we memorized the, the, the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 we memorized uh, Psalm 23 and, and other passages of scripture and, and others have mentioned before that they they were in classes when they were kids where the teachers had them do some kind of devotions in the morning I don't know if you guys if that happened in, in the, the schools that you attended or not, but I did. There were times when we had to share. We, we would bring in something and read as part of devotions, and there were times when we would have prayer. And even when our oldest daughter was, was in school, um, and, and there was there, by that time there had um, there had been more regulations put in place. Well, you can't, you can't share your faith as a Christian, as a teacher. You can share Islam, faith, all you want, but not Christianity. But um, when Ashley was in kindergarten, her teacher told Robin, she said, you know, I can't initiate a discussion like that. But, you know, there is one thing. If a parent brings a book in and asks it and says their child would like me to read that book to their friends at school, I'm kind of obligated to do that unless there's something definitely wrong in that book. So Robin was able to have some Christian books and Ashley could say, could you, I want to, I'd like you to read this to our to our class, and, and that teacher was happy to do that. And so there are ways around it. That, and I'm thankful for things like that. I'm thankful for radio stations that still preach the Word of God faithfully. Now some of them, they, they, they say they're Christian radio stations, but I'm going to tell you what, when I, if I listen to them and I hear any of the music on that station, I'm thinking, eh, I'm not so sure. Some of that doesn't really sound like uh, Christian music, but I'm thankful that there are places still so many people that share the Word of God because they help us to recognize a false Christ if one is presented to us. So that's the first one of the counterfeits that, that Scripture tells us that we ought to beware of. A second one, it's, it's along the same lines. It, uh, scripture warns us about false ministers. Pastors, they could be, and when I say ministers, I mean people serving the church in a position to serve the church. It could be a pastor, it could be a deacon, it could be some other leader in a church, an elder or something like that. Scripture says be careful because there could be some false ones out there. Second Corinthians, if you want to turn there. Second um, Corinthians chapter 11. Paul again talking to the, uh, the Corinthian church. He's given some warnings. Starting in verse 13, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, 
and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So Paul's warning the Corinthian church, they don't come people along, and they might talk good, they might be really smooth, they might be like the smarmy sales guy, buddy. They got a perfect suit. The, their tone of voice, the words just kind of roll off their tongue. He said, but you've got to be very careful because they're false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're transforming themselves. That false apostles, it means they're, they're coming into a church or, into, or toward a, to a congregation. But, and, and they're saying, saying, I'm an apostle. Now, in this, this day, we don't hear... People don't come in that door over there real often and say, I'm an apostle. You need to bow down to me or anything. But in Paul's day, the apostles were still alive. They were still ministering, many of them. And so people were coming along and, they, and, and claiming to have authority they didn't have. But they didn't have the authority from the Lord. Scripture teaches us that in order to be an apostle, uh, there were some things that had to be true. They had to be someone who had met Jesus personally. They had to be people that he had personally called, and he had gifted these men. The apostles had gifts that we don't have. Uh, they did have the gift of healing. They did have the, the gift of being able to, or the ability to cast out demons in Jesus' name. They had these, these authorities, but Paul is saying, there's going to be people who come to you, and they're going to say they're apostles, but the Lord Jesus didn't, he didn't appoint them as apostles. They never met him, and so you've got to be careful with that. And he says they're just, he referred to them as deceitful workers. Now that, that's, that's graphic language, isn't it? It's not that they're doing something in error. He says they're deceitful. They're trying to deceive you intentionally. They're, they're, trying to, they're working diligently to, uh, to foist some kind of false doctrine on you. Now, we don't have people coming in the door now that say, I'm an apostle, but there are still people in our society or in our uh, at churches sometimes that, that come in and they try to teach false doctrines and we've got to be careful. And again, how do you know? How do you know it's false? When you study this and you know what the real thing is, you'll know the false when it, when it comes, won't you? And so he says uh, they're false apostles, they're deceitful workers, and he says they transform themselves. Now God is the one that calls and equips true ministers. We know that. that, that that's a calling from God. But that's not what Paul is seeing here. He said these people are they're, they're people who are coming along and they're transforming themselves into something they're not. They're trying to convince you that I'm the one who can teach you these things. Well, did, have you met the Lord Jesus? Well, no. And do, do you have a call of Him on your life? Well, well not so much. But I've got this new, this new doctrine for you and it's going gonna, it's gonna to revolutionize your life. And so we ought to be careful. That's what Paul is, is trying to get across. And he, he refers to Satan or to these men. He said, we will not be surprised if these people that Satan sends can transform themselves because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And if he can do that, if he can come across as being someone that, uh, uh, that someone can trust, and he can do that. And we, we think back all the way back to the Garden of Eden that uh, Adam and Eve, they were, I, I, I dare say, no one has ever been closer to God Himself than Adam and Eve. No human, that is. Because they communed with Him in the garden. He, he spent time with them. And they should have known better. And Satan was able to come to Eve in the, in the guise of a serpent and say, yeah, God's trying to hide some things from you. I've got some information that will help you. 
You see that fruit on that tree over there? Ooh, if you eat that, things are going to get good. And God's trying to keep that from you. And Eve bought into it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to diss Eve. I'm saying, you know, any one of us could have perhaps been in that same boat. And some of us have been in that same boat. The, the devil has, has held something out in front of us and we've said, yes, I've got to have it. Haven't we? We've all done it. And so he, Paul says if Satan himself can deceive people as an angel of light, we ought not be surprised if he can send his minions to do the same thing. And not, there, it won't always be demons. It can be people who are under the influence of Satan who can come into churches and they can do a lot of disruption, can't they? And, he's, and Paul's just saying, be careful. There's counterfeits out there. Don't, don't just trust someone because they come in and say, I'm the greatest Baptist preacher you've ever seen, and I'm going to make your life good if you'll just listen to me. We've got to be careful about that, don't we? So the question is, uh, that, that comes to mind, how many people are being fooled in churches all around us in 2023 by people who are coming in and they've got this this smooth-sounding doctrine that they're they're teaching, and they, they, and we've all heard it and to a certain extent of well, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but that verse was only written to the Ephesians. It really doesn't apply to us. Or you know those Ten Commandments they were given to an ancient people, but really they don't even exist anymore. And the Hebrews that live in Israel now they're so far removed from them that that's a completely different people. They don't apply to us today. How many people hear that? And some of them won't be that direct. But they they t- try to, well, that, that verse really doesn't apply to us. But, you know, we need to bring that into 21st century culture. And then if we make these changes, then that's what the Lord really wanted us to say. What that is saying is God wasn't good enough to communicate to us what he really wanted us to know. And so we've got to reinterpret it for the 21st century. It's kind of the same thing that people are doing to the U.S. Constitution now, right? You know, 250, 200 so years ago, our, uh, the forefathers of our nation, well, you know, they didn't know what our problems would be, so the Constitution, we can't expect the Constitution to help us now. We need to rewrite it. That's something right out of a Nancy Pelosi playbook, isn't it? And it's scary. It's even scarier when preachers do it to the Word of God, isn't it? And so we've got to be out, uh, on the lookout for these, these false ministers. Another question that comes to mind, not only pastors and churches, question that we have to ask ourselves is how many missionaries could there be that are, that are on the field? They've gone through um, Bible colleges or seminaries that have taught these insidious doctrines, and now they're out on the mission field, and we don't know what they're telling people. Isn't that scary? We need to be praying, don't we, that the Lord would call the right people to be missionaries and then he would, he would keep them from ever going down these paths because there's not someone overseeing them. You know, if, if, if you've got a church with 100 people in it, or a church this size, and there's a pastor standing up here and he starts spewing out false doctrine, you've got people who can say, whoa, wait, 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 that ain't, that's not right. That's not what Scripture says. But a missionary on the field, there's not someone sitting there that may know that because they're, they're talking to people who don't know anything about Scripture yet. And so we, do, we should be praying for them. And because not what we're talking about here is false ministers, but along with that, there could be people who are teaching things they don't realize is wrong. And that, that's always scared me, as it you, that I might be doing something and I'm doing it wrong and I don't even realize that I'm doing it wrong. I can tell you that that scares me to be teaching the Word of God in that. 
but it's also scared me on if if I was working on an electric circuit that I might do something that I didn't re that do it the wrong way and not realize it. Our son-in-law, I gave him a new nickname yesterday, Sparky, because he was working on an HVAC system and he touched the wrong. He reached out and touched the wrong thing, or that voltage reached out and touched him. But either way, he got it. It lit his life up there for a brief second. So Sparky will be a little more careful next time. Well, you know that that's the sort of thing. It happens in every aspect of our lives. We want to be sure we're doing it the right way, and we're not doing it in error. But we very much want to make sure we're not intentionally doing something wrong, don't we? And that's what Paul's warning us about: is these false ministers that come along and they make their way into churches, they make their way into Bible colleges, seminaries, they can. Any, any area of the Christian faith, they can be there and they can infiltrate and they can do damage. And so Paul says just be careful about that. So what's the remedy for that? How do you, how do you avoid those, those uh, counterfeits that way? Well, again, the most effective way to, to recognize a counterfeit is what? Study the real thing. The most effective way to avoid a counterfeit uh, person in the ministry is to know what, a real, what the real thing ought to look like. Is what I'm trying to say here. If you want, if you're in Second Corinthians, turn to First Timothy. I'm just going to read. Timothy gave, or Paul rather, he he gave the um, the basic requirements for someone who's going to be in the ministry to Timothy and to Titus. And we'll just read through these. They're very self-explanatory, actually. He says in First uh, Timothy three verse one, he says, "This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, that is, of a, a preacher or an overseer of a church, he desires the good work. The bishop then must be blameless." Well, that's a good place to stop, isn't it? He needs to be blameless, not not someone that someone can accuse of. You know what that that low down guy did? You don't want somebody like that in your in a, in a position of leadership, do you? He he must be blameless. The husband of one wife. That means he certainly he's not a polygamist. I think it also means he shouldn't be divorced and married three or four times. He should be vigilant. In other words, aware of what's going around. He needs to be paying attention so that he can lead. He needs to be sober. That's a really good one. And I think it probably means not a drinker, not addicted to alcohol or drugs or anything else, but also serious. It doesn't mean he can't laugh. I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite preachers to ever listen to was Chuck Swindoll. Now, a lot of people think, you know, well, he, he goes a little too far in one direction over the other, but the thing I remember about him, the first time I heard him preach, I was probably 19 or 20, heard him on the radio, and it was his laughter. He, he just has this infectious laugh when he's preaching. And he's not making fun of God's Word. He just, he says, we can have fun as Christians. And I, know, I, I remember when I was very young, people talking about Robin's daddy. People had met him and they were scared of him. He, he, he's so serious, he never does anything. And I, I can remember his laughter. I can remember a trip that he rode with me. I, I bought a truck out in, uh, from a guy out in Yanceville and I asked him if he'd take, drive with me out there and I would buy the truck and bring it back. I'm going to tell you what, on that trip to Yanceville, we both had tears running down our faces. We were la I don't even remember what we were talking about, but we, we were just laughing so hard it's a wonder we didn't run off the road. There's nothing wrong with... with Someone in a ministry position being able to laugh, but he needs to take the serious thing seriously, doesn't he? He needs to be sober. Then in verse 2, he says he needs to be of good behavior. That's a given. He needs to be given to hospitality. You ever met uh, preachers who were anything but hospitable? I've, I've been in churches before, and it was like the preacher was like, what are you doing here? 
and, and and they would preach, and the next thing you know, it's like, get out. I, I gotta go home. I was looking at his watch. It's lunchtime. Beans are ready. No, he says he needs to be hospitable. Uh, let's see, what else does it say? He needs to be apt to teach. I've seen people, honestly, over the years. I'm old, so I've seen a lot of people. I've seen people uh, in ministry position. They're apt to do anything but teach, in my opinion. Uh, they, they, don't want, they want to you know, talk about stories. They want to give you an essay, maybe, or a book report. But they're not, they're not teaching the Word of God. But I think this also it includes an aptitude to teach. Some, some people, just they don't, God hasn't gifted them to be able to teach anything. So, you know, he says he needs to be apt to teach. Not given to wine. There we go. Not, not a drunkard. No striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre. Now, we've all heard of preachers who were very much filthy, uh, greedy of filthy lucre. They're in it for the money. Uh, we can refer to them as hirelings. Because that's the only reason they're, they're, they're uh, in a ministry at all. They need to be patient. Wow, that's a tough one for any of us, isn't it? To be patient, but especially for a preacher. Um, some uh, some people in the ministry they might have people that just need to be patted on the head every time like a little puppy every time you go around they got to be patient with those people. Some people won't ever learn anything. Some of us are we're hard headed and and you have to teach us the same thing over and over again. But he has to be like the Lord Himself and be patient, long suffering, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. That's a tough one sometimes, isn't it? Because I believe the devil really attacks someone who's in the ministry. And I, I, we've all seen it. Uh, people, it's like uh, pastor's kids or missionary's kids are some of the, the worst kids you've ever seen. And I think it's, it's not, sometimes it may be because they're spending too much time doing something other than being with their family. But sometimes I think they're just under the attack of the Lord. And so uh, that's, a, that's a matter for prayer, isn't it? The, uh, verse 5 says, For if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. In other words, don't take someone who's a, a young Christian and put him in a position of leadership. Because that can, or the, well, he says it, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7, Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. That's a good idea for a, a pastor of a church not to be someone that the people in the community despise because he's cheated them in business or anything of that nature, right? He must have a good report. Verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, uh-oh, here it starts to meddle a little bit. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, raising or ruling their children and their own house as well. So he's giving, these are just the basic things for someone who's going to be in the ministry. And he says, keep your eye on that. And if someone is coming along as a false minister, you're going to recognize it, that this guy stays drunk half the time. This guy, no one in the community trusts him. Or this guy, he's a brawler. He's pick, he wants to pick a fight. You ever see people in the pulpit that, that act like they want to pick a fight with the world from the pulpit? And I've, I've sat under the ministry of people, and honestly, the best way I could describe was they just they had this, um, this angry uh, approach to everything. And I'm like, you don't need to be doing that. That, that, that's, that doesn't come across well, you know? And so, 
Paul is, is telling Timothy, he says, look, you're, you're in the ministry. You need to be careful with these things because people should be looking to this. Uh, turn over a few pages to Titus chapter 1 and he repeats some of this. We'll just take a, a few minutes to look because we do need to be able to recognize this in, in ministries that we're a part of or ministries that we support, don't we? Titus chapter 1, verse uh, 5, Paul says to Titus, For this cause left, left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. That's a, new, a bit of a new one, isn't it? Not soon angry, nor given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality. That one comes in again. A lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. So Paul is he's, he's telling Titus here, you appoint people in the churches there that you're ministering or having a part in, but make sure that they're, they're men who follow the basic tenets of the faith, not people who are going to lead someone astray, not people who are going to be drunkards or, or people who want to start fights or pick fights or all of those different things. People who... who um, will present the ministry in a way that honors the Lord, not, not in a way that honors themselves. So, that again, back to the question, what's the, most, uh, how, what's the remedy, the most effective way to avoid a counterfeit uh, leader, pastor, elder, whatever, is to know what a real one ought to look like. And that's, that's up to us as Christians. We read the Word of God and we know what it says. And then uh, the judgment of the real versus the, the counterfeit always has to be based on the Scriptures, doesn't it? Not on personal opinion. We can have personal opinions about that. And there are people who do. I mean, uh, clearly. Um, well, I want a preacher. I, I, I served with a deacon one time in a, in a different church, and his thing was that the, the church needed a pastor. And his thing was, you know, the consensus of the church is we need a preaching preacher, not a teaching preacher. And I've heard other people say that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? The scripture says a preacher should be, a pastor should be apt to teach. So why are you telling me you want a preaching preacher instead of a teaching teacher? And, and I asked him, what's the definition of that? I've just been wanting somebody to tell me, what, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you're probably not going to ever find anybody that can tell you what they mean by that. That didn't help, did it? <laughs> Best I can tell is that people who make a statement like that is when they say they want a preaching preacher, they want somebody to yell at them. And I just don't agree with that. It's just not. That's just not me. I, and and I will go back to. Uh, I've said this before that that the pastor I had when I got saved was Rodney's brother, Dale, and he didn't yell at us from the pulpit. He he was a, one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard. And it was simply going through the Word of God as as we looked at last week or week before when the Lord says through Isaiah, "Come now, let us reason together." That's what I want to hear. I want to hear a pastor who will he'll teach me something. And maybe like Chuck Swindoll and laugh at, at things occasionally. And, and Brother Frank would, would laugh at things occasionally. And it would scare people to death if you were in the church listening to him 
in that quiet voice, and then all of a sudden he'd tell a joke, and people would look at each other like, Kenny, is it okay to laugh? <laughs> this is Frank McGuire doing this, you know? And it's okay to do that. And, and so I've always told, uh, I told a, a preacher friend one time, he was, we were talking about the same thing about preachers yelling versus reasoning with congregations. And I said, you remember that story in the New Testament where they were, they were having a Bible uh, a meeting and it was late in the night and they were preaching and a man named Eutychus fell asleep and fell out the third story window. And he goes, well, yeah. I said, I don't think he could have fallen asleep if the preacher was yelling at the top of his lungs. Do you? I don't tend to fall asleep then. And he looked at me and he said, well, now, brother, you're starting to meddle. When you start when you start telling the preacher he can't yell at you and all, and all this, we, we got a good laugh about that. But but seriously, we we need to look at things because uh, Paul says there will be false leaders that'll come along from time to time, and so we need to study the scriptures and see what they t- teach us. And um, that is that's all of our time. We only got the two of these today. But false Christs is one of them. That now the counterfeits we need to be aware of false. Uh, ministers, leaders, people in ministries. We need to be um, beware of those because counterfeits are among us. And Paul, uh, the Word of God, uh, warns us about those very sternly. So uh, we'll pick up a different time and let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us again to be in your house. We thank you for uh, the ability to study your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the warnings that you give us in Scripture. There are counterfeits. There are people, there are fakes that will come among us, and we need to be aware of them. And there are, there are false doctrines that we need to be aware of in, in our day and age especially. Uh, there are many things uh, that, that we can run into as Christians in the world we live in that are just fake. And we pray that as we study your Word that uh, we would be able to recognize those things. And more than anything else, I suppose in our lives, our own personal lives, Lord, help us to be genuine not to be fakes ourselves. Help us to know what the true doctrines of Scripture are and to hold to those. And be careful that we're not teaching error among ourselves as we share the Word of God with other people. We pray for the 11 o'clock service today, Father, that you meet with us. We pray the Holy Spirit would be free to move among us and that you would teach us from your Word. And Father, as we enter into that service, we pray that it would be a time of worship, a time of adoration and that we would glorify you in everything that we say or do, uh, the songs that we sing, the words that are uttered here, prayers that are made, and just the attitudes of your people today, Father. May it, may it truly be a time of worship and a uh, time when we meet with you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.